All right, it's Big E with another episode of SYP today. We're doing our SYP rewinds as we go back into the sports vault and look at some of the best games and most intriguing games from all time because sports are pretty much canceled and I have nothing better to do with my time. With that, we are going to start SYP today on an interesting note. We're going to start it with episode one, the 2015 ALDS game five between the texas rangers and the toronto blue jays in toronto at the rogers center um this game i chose because it, 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 not only was it a fascinating baseball game it was a crazy baseball game it was probably the most impactful blue jays game of my generation um you know there's so much that happened in the game there was just the sheer camaraderie between people when talking about the jays at at the time it's almost five years ago that this happened now but at the time you know it was hey are you watching a jays game did you hear the jays game did you see what happened with the jays everybody was talking about the blue jays at the time and it felt like it was one of those coming together type moments similar to what you see with the Olympics and sort of almost what we're having going through now with the coronavirus and people trying to, you know, come together, work together, deal with the issues at hand. Um, but in this sort of sense with the game, it was about a base, it was a baseball sense and in sports, which gets us away from all the daily life and this game definitely got us away from daily life and got us focused on baseball, of all things. Baseball. Um, let's start with the 2015 Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this was their first playoff season since 1993. Um when they won the World Series, so it was a 22-year drought, which was the longest playoff drought at the time in North American pro sports. 22 years. Um, it really started in the off-season before for the Blue Jays when they got Josh Donaldson for the a from the A's. Um, you know, they gave up Brett Lowry, who at the time was a decent third baseman. He was a middling third baseman, but he was never going to be elite. He kind of reached his peak with the Blue Jays. Um, Kendall Graveman, who I believe now is pitching with Seattle, uh, when the season starts up again, he's going to be a manner, but he's a decent, even now he's a decent reliever and he was still, you know, I think most people, you know, recognize them in the baseball ranks, but this trade was really all about Josh Donaldson and kind of another piece that they, people don't talk about is Marco Estrada they got from the Milwaukee Brewers for Adam Lynn but yeah this this was really you know a year they were going for it they were gunning for it and then with the Jays it really became you know an all-in year when they got um, David Price it was David Price who they picked up and they got they traded Daniel Norris and Matt Boyd, who's a really good pitcher now, um, and another prospect for David Price. And that was also 
sort of before, you know, that was after the price trade was was the big ticket item, but that was two days after the Blue Jays acquired Troy Tulowitzki from the Colorado Rockies for Jose Reyes, Miguel Castro, Jeff Hoffman, and another prospect. So we knew the Jays team was going to be good at the beginning of the year, and then at the time, GM Alex Anthopoulos is just like, fuck it, we're going to go all in. We're going to do this. You know, this it was very un-Blue Jays-like to sign all these guys and trade for them. So, and this was already, you know, the Tulowitzki aspect and the Price aspect and the Donaldson aspect, you know, having all those guys come in while this team already had Jose Batista, Edwin Encarnacion, um, you know, Chris Colabello, who really doesn't get enough respect, Russell Martin. So, you know, there was already quite a few hitting options, and then they got Tulowitzki, and then Donaldson, and then they got their ace in David Price. So, it was a, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an all-in, putting your balls on the table, if you're Alex Anthopoulos, of going all-in. So, when the playoffs come around, the Blue Jays are pretty well, you know, one of the best in the AL. They hit 234 home runs in the regular season, which was the most in baseball. They had a 269 average, which was the second most in baseball. They had a 340 on-base percentage, OBB, which was 12 points more than the next team. They had a 457 slugging percentage, which was the best in the MLB, and 20 points more than the next team. So they hit almost 800 uh, OPS on base plus slugging during the season, which is, as a team, which was almost unheard of. Uh, the pitching was average. The pitching was fine. They had some, you know, they had some good performances from David Price, you know, going down a stretch. Um, Marcus Stroman was coming alive then in 2015. He was really becoming, you know, making a name for himself. Um, Ari Dickey was another guy who, you know, was a decent pitcher, but, you know, he, he, he pretty much, he started one game, he, in the, in the DS, that is, just, you know, four and two-thirds innings, under two ERA, but... You know, he he was 11-11 in the regular season with an ERA hovering around four, so it wasn't great, you know, out of him. But Marco Estrada, he, had, he was 13-8 in the regular season. He had a 3-13 ERA. He got one win, which I believe was game three of the series, question mark? Yeah, game three. Um, you know, they, they the Blue Jays had some decent pitching options. Uh, Roberto Asuna, uh, maybe too soon. He pitched all four. He pitched four games. Aaron Sanchez pitched all five games. Um, kind of interesting to see John Gibbons and his pitching strategy at the time. Um, as for their opponents in the in the ALDS, Texas Rangers. Um, you know they were they were a decent hitting team. They were top ten in most hitting categories and on base slugging average. They had a 4.24 team ERA in a regular season, regular season, which was 23rd in the MLB at the time, and just 1,095 strikeouts. Um, 
thrown. They only threw over a thousand strikeouts, which was 29th in the MLB. So their pitching was not that great. Their hitting was fine. They had, you know, they had really good hitting options with Josh Hamilton and Prince Fielder, but their pitching was what sort of brought them down. And same to the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays hitting um, pushed them further. Like the Blue Jays had a higher ceiling because of their hitting. The Rangers had a lower ceiling because of their um, hitting, but you know the pitching also did not make up for it. So in this 2015 ALDS, before we get to Game 5, the Rangers took the first two games in Toronto. The Rangers won 5-3. Giovanni Gallardi got the win with Sam Dyson, who we'll talk about later, getting a save. David Price with the loss. And then Game 2, a day later, October 9th, the Rangers won 6-4 in 14 innings with Keon Keeley getting the win, Ross Ollendorf getting the save, Latroy Hawkins getting the loss. Um, about those games, the Blue Jays were in it. Um, you know, they were they lost both of them by two runs. They could have won both of those games easily. But it, it just, you know, didn't work out that way. Then the series on October 11th switched to Texas. They went to Arlington, Texas. The Blue Jays just swept the Rangers out of the water in Texas. The Blue Jays won 5-1 on Game 3 in Game 3 and then 8-4 in Game 4. David Price gets the win in Game 4. Estrada gets the win in Game 3. And the Blue Jays are starting to come alive. They're starting to get momentum. You know, the tides have turned. This, remember, this is a best of five. The, these series in DS are just a best of five. So... You know, the Blue Jays, you know, slave off elimination twice in their opponent's ballpark. It, it, it's it, it's amazing how how the tables turn, to use a Michael Scott reference, which I hate because I don't like The Office. But the Blue Jays have momentum. Coming home for Game 5 on October 14th, they have all the momentum. So... Important stat. I, I want to talk some important stats from Game Five with the Rangers and the Blue Jays. The Texas Rangers hit. Um, they're hitting with the runners in scoring in scoring position. So basically, guys that are on second and third. The Rangers went 0 for seven in this game. They did not get any hits with runners in scoring position. I think the Blue Jays went 1 for 6 or 1 for 8. The Blue Jays weren't much better, but the Rangers went 0 for 7. And they lost this game 6-3. But we'll, we'll, again, I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit. But the Rangers went 0 for 7, hitting with runners in square position. Sam Dyson had just three non-contact strikes on six pitches. So by that, it means Dyson, who's the uh, Rangers reliever after Cole Hamels, We'll talk about two. Sam Dyson, the reliever, got three strike, three non-contact strikes. So that's either a batter swinging or an umpire calling a strike. He only just got three of those on 16 pitches. So either lots of balls or lots of contact. That's just eight, 18% of his pitches were non-contact strikes. And finally, the Rangers had three errors in this game compared to Toronto's one, all of them coming in the seventh inning. That was one of the weirdest seventh innings of all time. Now, the pitching duo in Game 5 sees Cole Hamels 
going up against Marcus Stroman. Cole Hamels was traded to the Rangers earlier in the season from the Philadelphia Phillies. And coming over to Texas was one of the best things Hamels did, Hamels did for his career. He went in the regular season, he went 7 and 1 with a 3.66 ERA in 12 starts with the Rangers. He he was pretty solid in, you know, in Arlington with the Rangers. Um you know, he had two games starting the postseason in 2015 with one loss. So he didn't even get the decision in the other one. Um, you know, and then Strowman earlier in the year, Strowman actually tore his ACL, I believe it was, back in March of 2015 in the spring training. And was just starting to, you know, get good enough again to come back and play. I think he was, I think he maybe had four starts before his game five start maybe question mark I don't I can't remember but Strowman was a young guy but he's still he's still growing he was still learning and he was still trying to get healthy after an injury so you know this was a great pitching duel like if you're a baseball guy you love the Hamels versus Strowman duel at this time so with that, in the first inning, Prince Fielder grounds into a fielder's choice with uh, Blue Jays first baseman Justin Smoke, I believe, throwing it to home. Uh, Delano DeShield scores, so Texas scores first. It's one nothing Rangers, and that's how the game would start. Then in the next inning, Shinshu Chu hits a home run to right field off Marcus Stroman. Texas makes it 2 nothing. Chu is not, never really much of a home run hitter. I, I still wouldn't call him that, but he has some he has some power if he wants to, and he definitely had it at Rogers Center, which is definitely a hitter's park. And he just crushed one in the right field. Rangers are up by two after two innings. So in the third inning then, Ben Revere's on second base, and Jose Batista ropes one into left field corner, he gets a double. Revere scores. Revere was also a midseason pickup with the Phillies, I believe, from the Phillies. And he, he was their speed guy. He was their bottom of the lineup speed type or top of the lineup speed guy, wherever Gibby wanted him. And it paid off in that play because Revere went home, cuts the lead down to one. And then in a sixth inning, one of Hamill's few mistakes through six innings. He had, he had a couple, but he, he this was his biggest one, was throwing a fastball where Encarnacion could hit it, and Encarnacion crushed one, absolutely demolished the baseball in the left center field and tied the game at two. So pretty much it was all going to come down to the seventh, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth. You got three innings, and, you know, Winner goes home. Or winner moves on, loser goes home. So, if you can't tell, I'm doing this at 1 in the morning. So, my day's already been long. I'm not trying to create excuses, but if I do mess up quite a bit, it's because I'm a little bit tired. So, seventh inning. Now, Rugnet Odor is on third base. Shin Tzu Chu is up to the plate. And Russell, Mar- Russell Martin catches a ball. I believe it's 
Droman who's pitching. Might be Aaron Sanchez at this time, but I think it's Droman. And Odor scores. He, he, he basically runs home after Martin throws the ball and it bounces off Shinshu Chu's bat, hand, whatever. And rolls into third base. There's no third baseman right there because they're all playing back. And Odor scores. And then there's a commotion going on. Like, what the hell just happened? Um, what What's going on here? What are we doing? And Odor at the time has the right sense of mind to go and touch home plate. That, that you know, that does a lot for you. If you go touch home plate, you go touch the base, you know, in case something goes your way, at least you have that. That you did touch the base, you did get possession of the base. So, with that... There's this huge commotion. Jeff Bannister comes out. And then the call is confirmed that, yes, Odur is, you know, perfectly allowed to go and take home plate. Which he does, you know, it's incidental contact. Everything's alright. Unfortunately, everything's not alright because John Gibbons comes out, starts yelling. Fans are, you know, throwing bottles Throwing cans onto the field, it's becoming a huge debacle. But Gibby argues. And on the replay, if you're, watch, you're watching this like I was, I was watching sort of the replay of it, the broadcast, and the full broadcast, but the replay of this certain event. And Shinshu Chu, you know, his hands are still in the batter's box, i.e., like they're not over the line. They're still inside the batter's box, which is his. That's his, you know, that's his space. And Martin throws the ball sort of into space. And the ball rolls over to third base. Odor goes home. So the umpires have the right call. They made the right decision. Gibby doesn't like it. The fans don't like it. The Blue Jays don't like it. But it is the right call. And they're saying that on the broadcast too, the American broadcast. With Kenny Albert, Tom Verducci, and Harold Reynolds, they're saying this on the broadcast. This is the right call. The umps got it right, and and they did. That is the correct rule. So, after talking to Jeff Bannister, the Rangers manager, after talking to Gibbons, the Blue Jays manager, after going to replay, they go to replay to make sure this is reviewable, and that they got it right. They got it right. They call on the field stands. And it's play on. Now, there's so much chirping that goes on from the Blue Jays' dugout. Because the Blue Jays are upset. They're frustrated. They really don't know what's going on. No one really knows what's going on, except for maybe the broadcasters. Brett Cecil gets ejected. Now, Brett Cecil's not on the active roster, but he's yelling and screaming so much that he gets ejected. Not from the whole plate umpire, I believe by the third base umpire. So, Cecil's gone. There's an ejection. Fans are throwing shit onto the field. Everybody doesn't really know what's going on. The fans have no idea. Nobody really knows what's happening except for maybe the broadcasters. Okay. So, the Blue Jays get out of the inning. And they're down 3-2 because of that play with Odor. So, the seventh inning is where stuff changes. It's where, it's where shit hits the fan if you're the Texas Rangers. So, so Elvis Andrews. So 
he botched the first play of the inning, which was a Russell, Mount, a Russell Martin ground ball. He botched that. So Martin's on first because of Odor, who, misses, who, who, who screws up the ground ball. So then the next batter is Kevin Pillar, and he hits a ball right to the first baseman, which is Mitch Moreland. Moreland has to throw to second base with, you know, with, with, with Russell Martin on first. Moreland's throwing the ball to second to get the double play. It's a shitty throw. He has to bounce it in to Andrews, and Andrews can't hold on to it. So Russell Martin's safe at second. There is no play over to first, so both guys are safe. There's runners on first and second. Nobody out. Okay. So quick change here. Dalton Pompey comes in for Russell Martin as a pinch runner. So you got Dalton, Pompe- Dalton Pompey on second, Kevin Pillar on first. Two really fast, speedy outfielders. Next batter is Ryan Goins. Goins bunts it down the third baseline. And Adrian Beltre comes down to play it, and he throws it to the third base, trying to get the lead runner, trying to get Pompey out. And you know what happens? Elvis Andrews, who has to cover that third base, can't hold on to the ball. Can't make a play. So three straight outs are absolutely wasted because Andrews can't hold on to a ground ball. Mitch Marlin, ha- Mitch Moreland has to bounce a ball in the dirt to Andrews to try and get a double play. Everybody's safe there. And Elvis Andrews can't hold on to an Adrian Beltre catch to get a force out. So you have the bases loaded now. And that's a seven, eight, nine. I should I should note that is the Blue Jays seven, eight, nine hitters of Martin, Pilar, and Goats. So up comes Ben Revere with the bases loaded, nobody out. Revere just has to hit anything. He, he, he literally just, you know, has to go, has to hit the ball anywhere, and he's fine. He just has to hit it. He just can't get out. So Revere grounds out to the first baseman. Moreland throws it home. Uh, the catcher, Mike Napoli, or probably Chris Gimenez, makes the play. So he got the so they got the out. So there's one out. Bases are still loaded. So... Cole Hamels at this time is taken out of the game. This is a really critical play. Hamels is taken out after throwing 111 pitches, facing 28 batters. He's he's done. Jeff Bannister takes him out of the game. He replaces him with Dyson, who got the save in game one. But it's a it's a pressureful situation because he has to face. Josh Donaldson, the Blue Jays' number two hitter. Donaldson is an absolute, you know, destroyer of the baseball. Donaldson is the bringer of rain. He can hit anything he wants. And he can take it wherever he wants. Like, he can send it out to center field, right field, left field, doesn't matter. Donaldson against Dyson... Parley appears to be a more favorable matchup because it's the righty versus righty. 
But there's also part of me, this is kind of a big what if, is what if the Rangers left Hamels in? Because Hamels is their best pitcher. But it's the lefty on righty, and it's Josh Donaldson. And it's kind of just like if Donaldson... Cause, well, Donaldson earlier in the game, you know, he he did, he did get one hit in the game. But, you know, like Donaldson was struggling. He had a strikeout, too, against Hamels. So... Pretty much what happens is that Donaldson hits a blooper in the second, you know, sort of right center, like short right center field, past second baseman Rudin Odor. He misses it. Odor misses it. It goes behind him. He can't get it. And pretty much. Pilar scores. Ryan Goins gets third. There's a fourth out of second. So you have a tie game now. It's 3-3. 3-3. And you have Jose Batista coming up to the plate. You have Donaldson on first. And you have Goins at third. And Dyson sets him up with a 1-1 pitch. And Batista crushes it absolutely crushes it into left field flips this bad crowd goes crazy it's a 6-3 game the immediate reaction is one of oh my god what the fuck just happened and then the Rangers just sitting there in awe, especially Cole Hamels. They show quite a few Cole Hamels shots in the sequence. And they show up, you know, pictures of Hamill and the rest of the Rangers bench, and they're just stunned. They have no idea what's hit them. Or they do know what's hit them. They just can't believe this is how it, their season is ending. Is Jose Batista launching a three-run bomb into left field. After that play, after that home run, Dyson has a word with Encarnacion, who's the next batter. They get in a bit of a, you know, brouhaha yelling match. Meanwhile, at the Rangers bench, they're trying to get some fans ejected because I guess they were yelling or taunting throwing stuff at them who who knows I don't know they didn't have a clear replay of it during the game and there's this whole commotion of fans throwing more shit onto the field crowd going absolutely crazy the broadcasters are just amazed at what's happened this seventh inning between the Odor run home to put the Rangers ahead to Elvis Andrews botching two and a half plays. To now the Blue Jays being ahead 6-3 because of Jose Batista. It's a it's a fascinating hour of baseball. So everybody comes to their senses. D- Dyson's pissed off. And 
eventually Aaron Sanchez and Roberto Osuna are able to close out a 6-3 game for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Blue Jays take the series and then they play the Kansas City Royals in the ALCS which the Royals go on to win in six games. Now afterwards there are, are quite a bit of notes. First the bat flip. The bat flip is the one takeaway that everybody has from this game because that home run is really a where were you moment and I think most people who had an interest at the time could tell you like where where they were or what you know I think I was working at YIG at the time and that's where I saw it I'm pretty sure it was in a YIG break room because the game started at one o'clock pacific and it went three and a half hours so pretty much at about four o'clock I'm guessing when I was at work I saw this and everybody was talking about the Blue Jays everybody was you know on Blue Jays fever and I remember people being pissed off about well why can't they have the Blue Jays in prime time to which you know they people feel fail to understand that it's the Blue Jays you're not going to get great TV ratings with them um, in the US and I think that's kind of the same with the Raptors during their championship run so the bad flip was the one that everybody either love it or hate it and now I think we're becoming a bit better at this sort of stuff but you either love the bat flip or you hate the bat flip I personally love it because it is you know you're having fun and you get and you get to do that with all the shit that the Jays were going through earlier in that game, you know, I don't blame Jose Bautista for flipping his bat. And it's the energy, it's the emotion, the crowd going crazy. Like, by all means, go for it. And Dyson, you know, not liking it, well, you know, maybe throw a better pitch, dumbass. Maybe don't give him a pitch to hit a home run with. I don't know. So, that was a cool thing about that was either you know the bat flip I loved it but you know it was it sparked a conversation for a while there and it still does between the purists and the, you know new school of flip or not the flip and I'm totally chill with flipping I think everybody should be um other game notes so Kenny Albert play-by-play -play guy awesome love him he does some hockey stuff he does the football stuff he does basketball uh does he do basketball he might do some basketball still and he does some baseball. Tom Verducci, uh, really smart guy. He's, he's one of the play-by-play -play guys. Really smart guy. Really intelligent guy. The funny thing about this game, well, this series was game three, I think it was. Her Harold Reynolds, who's the other play-by-play -play guy, former Seattle Manor's third baseman, made a comment about how base, you know, Canadians don't play baseball, so they don't know how to catch as well. or something along those lines. So that sparked a lot of outrage and controversy. And... I thought that was a pretty funny moment from, you know, game five when they talk about, you know, Harold Reynolds welcoming him back into Canada and, you know, Canadians can actually catch and can play baseball, believe it or not. Um, Toronto fans. I want to talk about Toronto fans. I know every fan base is shitty. Everyone is. There are no good fans. 
there are uh, there are some good fans, but most of the time, people are either just racist or mean or rude, and that's okay because that's sports. That's the world we live in. But Toronto fans are at uh, Toronto fans at their worst are the absolute most awful fans in sports. Canucks fan, well, not Canucks. Fans, Vancouver fans are up there too. But Toronto fans get, I think, some of the lowest, should get some of the lowest marks. The Maple Leafs suck. Their fans in this game were passionate and excited, but also took it too far. With the throwing of stuff, I'm sure they said some things that they shouldn't be saying. And I think that's why Toronto gets a bad rap, and I think it's kind of deserved. I hope that city doesn't win a Stanley Cup because it doesn't deserve it. The fans do not deserve that cup. And you know the rap. I'm glad the rap. They got a rap. Uh, Raptors championship. Even though I think they were booing Katie in Game Five, but again, that's not everybody. That's like half the crowd. Not everybody's an asshole, but I think most fans are. Um, yeah, I hope you know. I hope people come to their senses and be like, yeah, this is good enough. They don't need a World Series. They don't need a Stanley Cup. A NBA championship is perfect for this city. Um, kind of another takeaway is how Toronto became a trendsetter without even recognizing it. Without even really doing it on purpose, I think, question mark. Because nowadays in baseball, we see a lot of home runs. We're break- this year, probably not. But we're breaking a home run record every year now, it seems like. And I think Toronto was really, not the start of it, but they really pushed it, like hitting over 230 home runs, um, especially because of how their ballpark is set. Like, if, in, if you don't know how small the Rogers Center is, you need to go there and you need to see how small it is. It's... it's the smallest ballpark I think I've ever been to. And I've been to New Yankee Stadium. Um, I've been to Safeco, which is now T-Mobile Park. And that's a pretty big ballpark. The balls just die out there. And, you know, if you go into BP at Safe or T-Mobile, I'll just keep calling it Safeco because I always have. If you go into BP at Safeco and you just see ball, like the amount of time I've seen Mike Trout have a fly ball that just drops in left center at, at Safeco is kind of surprising. Uh, I've been to Dodger Stadium. That's a big stadium. Chase Field in Arizona. Now it's the thing. No. I think it's something else now. But Chase Field, big ballpark as well. But the Rogers Center is the smallest, most compact of all those stadiums. And the balls just fly out there. Um, I think they fly. I think they, they're more. I think it. I have to take a look at what the stats are, but I think maybe even more when Dome's closed, which it was for the entire series, all the playoff games. So, um, the Blue Jays were kind of ahead of their time in a way, or maybe they started the trend of excessive home runs. So, I don't know how you feel about the home run trend, if you love it or you hate it, but I think the Blue Jays kind of started it. Um, And I guess the biggest what if from this game has to be well there's two I guess you could say 
either if they keep Cole Hamels in and let him pitch to Donaldson, or if, you know, I guess the biggest, biggest, biggest one, like the ultimate one, is if Elvis Andrews doesn't botch those errors. Um, if he makes two of those plays and, the, you know, saves two outs or saves a couple runs, maybe they can get some more runs later on in the game. But, um, you know, it, it was it, there's those are the two that stand out to me are the Hamels being replaced by Dyson move by Bannister and, you know, Elvis Andrews not being able to make plays in clutch moments. So... Yeah, uh, that that was pretty much the 2015 ALDS Game 5 recap. So the Blue Jays would go on to lose to Kansas City. The Blue Jays would make the playoffs the next year, uh, lose to the Cleveland Indians. You know, part of the Blue Jays thing was just they didn't have the bullpen that the other teams did, and that's why they couldn't make it as far. But, you know, that it was... It was fun watching them in in these postseason games because they were entertaining, especially that last one in Game 5. So props to them, I guess. But, yeah, that's your first 2015, you know, that's your first SYP Rewind 2015 ALDS Game 5 recap. I hope you liked it. Uh, We're going to do more of these, I hope, coming up. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and let us know what, what else you'd like to hear. Be sure to email us at sypodcast at gmail.com. And we're going to, you know, track what you guys think. See how you feel about these. I like this. I think this is a good format. But let us know if you have a better idea. But make sure you email us. Thanks. Bye.